Distazapod, Facebook, questions and answers, and a little bit of news updates for you guys. So strap in, pull that harness on your pterodactyl, and let's swoop down to the Savage Land. couple of quick news items for everybody. Um, let's see, where are we? Tons of orders this week. Thank you all very much for supporting the first pre-order for Cyber Mama in her painted form. Uh, we did Gangbusters. Now, she's currently marked sold out. The pre-order is sold out. There's a very good chance that after fulfillment, there will be a little bit of leftover inventory, and I will put that in the store when that happens. If I had to guess at timing, I would say on or around January 27th. Now, January 27th is very significant because that is the five-year anniversary of Knights of the Slice. Nikki and I will be doing a live stream, so keep your eye out for information on that. We will be announcing several things, some new projects, some sales, some product. It's going to be an exciting time, so make sure you tune in and uh, get your wallets ready for that. Um, I'm in the uh, midst of pulling together and fulfilling everybody's order. The classic figure sale in which we sort of slash prices on anything from last year that was a fully painted figure did amazingly well for us. Thank you guys in helping us sell out some of the styles that have been hanging around for a tiny bit too long. Um, in most cases, I am sending out those items uh, today, tomorrow, and Monday. In a few instances where somebody ordered some of the older styles and also made their Cyber Mama pre-order, I may hold your package and fulfill when Cyber Mama arrives. She will be being dispatched um, sometime within the next two to three weeks. So hang in there. We're almost at the home stretch, and it's going to be an exciting time. Now, without further ado, let's hop in to your Facebook questions. Sebastian Duran, who I believe is a newer customer of ours, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's just sort of discovered us, and I believe he's a patron, if I'm not incorrect. He asks, do I see further releases of Frankenslice or similarly randomized character grab bags in the future of Knights of the Slice? And Sebastian, yes, I do. Very much so. I'm dying to get back to making more Frankenslices. Um, we have a lot of new product coming in. I have the Cyber Mama pre-orders to deal with, and we're also prepping February's Action Figure of the Month shipment. So, it is uh, on my list of things to do, but it is not a high priority because of these other time-sensitive things. I would guess maybe... Oh boy, maybe February March would be the earliest we will see new Frankenslice random part heroes. But I have a lot of inventory to work with, a lot of spare pieces, and some exciting stuff planned. So stay tuned for that. He also says, Night of the Slice figures span a lot of different genres, whether it be fantasy, sci-fi, detectives, or vaguely anime-inspired. Is there a genre you've been eager to tackle that for one reason or another you haven't been able to get to? Um... Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think that there is, um, there's something so great about genre toys. Um, 
I would say that the number one one I've wanted to do for a very long time has been Cowboys. And now we are getting very close to that being a reality. Now, patrons got a little sneak peek earlier this week of that project, which is inching along. This is, of course, the uh, Space Cowboy Project with Kit Lau that uh, we announced at Toy Pizza Con last year. And since then, we've been working diligently on. Now, this is a very ambitious project. There are a lot of moving parts, a lot of different partners, and uh, it is happening. It is slowly moving forward. And uh, man, I can't wait. I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this project. So um, that's an important genre I've wanted to do since the beginning, and I hope to get to that. Another one I've wanted to tackle is sort of gangsters, like 30s gangsters, but in a sci-fi setting. Whether or not I ever am able to do that, who knows? It's kind of, (laughs) it might be very difficult to do. I've also thought of a, a, I don't even know what you would call this genre, but there was a sort of 50s revival in the 80s. And I would point to things like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, Um, the neutrinos in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was this this really great reinterpretation of 50s iconography through the lens of, like, California Hollywood. And one of the things I had when I was a kid that my aunt from California bought me was this sort of placemat. And it was a black-and-white checkered pool. And in the center of the placemat, there was uh, that kind of blue... Uh, liquid that you could kind of squish around and there was a uh, like a little diving guy in there and a, I think a surfboard or a beach ball it's so bizarre but it just was it was aesthetically just the most most kitschy 80s LA 50s re revisited sort of feeling and I, I don't even know how to really synthesize that genre in a uh in a simple tagline. Maybe you guys know exactly what I'm speaking about. But there's something rich there that I would like to tackle in some regard. But it's it's been elusive because it is kind of hard to describe in and of itself. Um, I'm also interested in obviously doing more medieval figures. I've wanted to do gladiators. Um, we're getting heavy into space now, which is exciting. We do have the diver that is coming out on the horizon, which should scratch the itch for both underwater and space travel, which are obviously very interesting sort of theaters to uh, perform in. And uh, other than that, I don't know. I'm not a huge kaiju fan. I'm not a huge horror fan. Um, yeah, I, I feel somewhat accomplished in that I've, I've gotten to do or getting close to doing a lot of the important genres to me. But um, I think, you know, it's interesting to have genre toys. I think they, they give you a setting and a storytelling mechanism right off the bat, and, and that's a lot of fun. Outside of capsules, are there any other non-figure elements you want to add to Knights of the Slice? Um, hmm. I, I think, like, I, I want to keep doing accessory packs where it makes sense. Um, I've long threatened to do... A different kind of backpack attachment for vector jumps, but I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, I think the capsules, you know, when you guys get 
a hold of Capsule Version 2 and you get to experience it, you're going to see this is this is really an evolution of this kind of idea. So I feel like we're still very young in the Capsule world and there's a lot of other beats we could potentially do there. Um, so, you know, I, I do want to do more non-figure stuff. It's got to be something that's really captivating and adds to the figure element of everything. Uh, then Sebastian closes out his questions with favorite movie of the year. It, it's probably a toss-up between Uncut Gems and Parasite. And I kind of give the slight edge to Parasite just because I knew nothing about it going into it. And I really felt like anything could happen at any moment. And it really puts you on the edge of your seat. Both films are really uh, high tension in the best way possible. They're both thrill rides. Fantastic films. I highly recommend them. Uh, and then also, uh, probably in third is Joker, which I think is... Uh, Boy, there's a really fantastic interview with Todd Phillips, the, the director of Joker, and he's being interviewed by Michael Moore. And the zeitgeist he managed to capture in Joker uh, is really fascinating, and it was what I suspected he was sort of doing. He, he essentially knew he couldn't tell the story he wanted to tell unless it was wrapped up in a superhero film, which is what studios will greenlight and give you money to do. So he talks about this epiphany moment he had where he understood in order to make the kind of films he wanted to make that were subversive and critical of society and, you know, um, sort of coming from a, you know, a needed political viewpoint, he had to basically con the studio system into making this film by laying on top of it the, the sort of sheep's clothing of it being a big blockbuster superhero film. And you know what? His gamble worked. So check that out. It's Michael Moore's Rumble with Todd Phillips. I think it's episode three or four. Fascinating, fascinating story of the actual very subversive, you know, process of doing the Joker film. Matthew McCall says, have you checked your filtered DMs lately? And uh, for Matthew and for everybody else, I don't really check... DMs on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, th those are not great avenues to reach out to me. I try to really minimize my time on social media and these sort of uh, conglomerate platforms. If you have any questions or shipping error or you need to get in touch with me, jesse at eerietheoryentertainment.com. Uh, I am pretty good about answering emails, although there is, uh, you know, so is the possibility I'll be a little busy or behind and may not check it for a day or two. But that's the best way to get a hold of me. And um, be sure to remind people if you see them posting, asking uh, how to get in touch with me. That is the way. This is the way, as they say. Bryce Lawson. Any leftover action figure of the month laying around? Definitely need Hyper Knight's right-hand man. Um, no, I think we are completely sold through of 2019's action figure of the month uh exclusive figures we we just recently did our sort of classics uh sale it did extremely well I, if i had to guess there's probably one or two of some of the months floating around the workshop um but no we are we're we're through it we did it you know it was just about the right amount of product so i'm very happy for that um Patrons will tell you that I have done warehouse flash sales 
and warehouse flash sale is basically me taking photos of shit I find in the warehouse, slapping a low price on it, and offering it to the first claimer. And these seem pretty popular, and I'm going to be doing more of them as I kind of go through and clean the warehouse. There's There's been some really great finds. There's been stuff like the, uh, you know, the first Super 7 2-pack we did. I had a couple damage pieces, so I was able to liquidate those to some lucky fans. So if you needed further incentive to join the Patreon, uh, there's one for you, because the warehouse flash sales are a lot of fun. Philip Barrara, who, by the way, is a very amazing stop-motion animation artist. You should check out his work. He has done Jagged Age as a short stop-motion film. Very fun. What exercises slash habits do you do to prevent clutter or messy space? So, I, I tend to keep a very tidy house. I have not always been this way. I was a very messy kid. My first couple apartments were absolute disasters. But generally, I like to be organized and clean in my domicile and how I approach things. The exception to this is creative space. I'm the type of maker that I need a lot of room, I need a lot of table space, and I need to have piles of junk. I need it to be a mess because I I just kind of find my flow within that. I need to reference a lot of stuff. Usually I have a stack of vintage toys in the package. I have some open toys that I just picked up at Walmart or Target. I'll have a bunch of samples of my work from different eras, and then usually old sketchbooks, new sketchbooks, magazine clippings, things like that. So it looks a little bit like a serial killer's domicile, but uh, that is my process. So what I've found is keep your bedroom and keep the public areas spotless, clean, tidy, organized, clutter-free, but give yourself the ability to make a mess in you know, wherever it is that the creative process happens. Now, I haven't always had a wonderful house where I had the room to do these things. Uh, Famously, I painted most of my Rex Gannon and Subculture's work on the floor of a tiny one bedroom. So, you know, you can make spaces work for you. And in some respects, limitations make for better art. So, you know, If you're in a small loft apartment, just make the space, make the time, and keep it messy when you're in the process. That's that's part of the the joy of it. Jason Rushlow asks, now that we have a good handful of waves out, what do you think of the Power Rangers Hasbro Lightning Collection? Uh, I think highly favorably of it. And I would actually say my favorite figure that was released last year is, oh God, I can't remember his name now. Lava Avenger? Meteor Avenger? (laughs) It's a very Sentai-looking Power Rangers character. He's in black armor. He has a shotgun slash sword. Um, This is my favorite figure from last year. It's just, it's so well done. It's so well articulated. Really quite a beautiful thing. I, I wish I could remember the name of the figure. I know it's something Avenger. You guys will correct me in the comments, I'm sure. But uh, I think Hasbro and their Lightning Collection series are doing a fantastic job. I'm not the world's biggest Power Ranger fan. I was sort of just slightly too old when that show came on to buy into it whole hog. But I love the figures they're making. I got Goldar here on the shelf. I got the Black Ranger, Walgreens exclusive. I just picked up Kimberly. Um, 
really well done. I, I, I think it's really tremendous. And, and it seems like the Black Series Star Wars have been getting better and better as well. I still am hoping to track down the Mandalorian. We'll see if that's a possibility. Jerry Bow says, Will inventory of the subsidy supply drops that arrive in February be staggered releases or one large drop? Uh, I then in turn asked him what he preferred and what everybody else preferred. I don't have an answer. I've got you guys have given some great feedback. I think the people that answered would prefer staggered releases. Um, I don't have an answer today, and that is sort of twofold. Uh, one is I don't know when these goods are arriving. I have a pretty good idea. I think most of them are going to arrive this week or next, but there may be some stragglers. We had some very minor paint revisions going on. The other thing is, the problem with staggered release is that I've, uh, not in the case of subsidy supply drop, but in the case of, you know, uh, other figures that I've sort of ordered last year, a staggered release means that I don't see a return on the money in the quickest way possible. Now, granted, Subsidy Supply Drop, theoretically, these goods are paid for with pre-orders. Now, that's not entirely true because uh, I did not get... Uh, pre-orders did not contemplate the entire quantity that I ordered, right? So there was some money I was paying above the orders that came in for each individual style. And in some cases, there were very few pre-orders, but I bought the goods anyway with the hope that when it gets in the store, people sort of connect and, and want that figure. So while there was some level of money from pre-orders that was applied to the subsidy supply drop complete production run, most of it, or at least half of it, was paid out of pocket. So with a staggered release, it takes me longer to get back that money that was paid out of pocket. Um, there's also the complication of scheduling what figures are going to go when, and there will be people unhappy with whatever I choose for a staggered release. If I do Meteor 2 in the first wave of releases, people are going to be mad that Cyber Mama Micros isn't in that wave, and vice versa. You, you sort of, any choice you make as a, as a toy maker in terms of releases, there's going to be somebody unhappy with it. That's that's just a reality. So that being said, I hear you guys loud and clear. I will put pen to paper and think about what might be, what might make the most sense for staggered releases. But I would venture to guess February is probably going to see the majority of subsidy supply drop figures released. The, the other problem is I am at a huge premium on space in the workshop. This is part of the reason that those classics were cut to such a dramatic price. Uh, I have so much stuff landing. We will probably have 50 cartons of new merchandise that I have to somehow assimilate into the cramped workshop over the next three weeks. So, um, you know, look, these are good problems to have, but uh, these are sort of the considerations that immediately jump out at me. But uh, I'm going to think about it. I'll take your your thoughts and words to heart and see if I can't uh, work something out. Cliff Uchida. Cliff, by the way, I do owe you a replacement mailing. I have it here. Uh, I'm just waiting to see if it 
should go out today or attach with some other stuff, but I will, uh, I won't let you down, buddy. Cliff asks, what's my favorite gashapon or capsule toy? Um, I have so many I could pick from, but off the top of my head, there was a line, I believe by Kabaya, and I've posted some photos on Patreon of this. It was a line of little UFOs from throughout history, like different occurrences and and styles of UFOs and aliens. I don't know the name of it. I'm not even 100% positive it was Kabaya. But you build these little tiny dioramas and then there's like, uh, there's one that's like a flying saucer with a tractor beam and clear plastic that's sucking up a, a human. Really cute, fun, sort of mini dioramas you build. I always thought that was really a high watermark for Gashapon. Um, the, I might be butchering the name here, but I think the Capsule Adventure figures from two or three years ago, these were um, basically red and clear or blue and clear gacha balls that inside had mechanical elements that you could stick to the capsule and build mechs. They had pilot figures, really, really hard to find, sought after line. Just so happens my first trip to Japan, those were in the, the machines. So that worked out great, and I was able to get a full set. And uh, I love that line. It's really quite ingenious. And I'm shocked that they have not uh, offered it again. I believe that line was made by Catan Club. K-I-T-A-N, if I'm not mistaken. So off the top, uh, I think those are two that I would pick. I'd like to hear from you guys in terms of Gachapons that you really like. I'm guessing these these sort of uh, skeleton robots that have been going around are probably pretty high up on most people's lists as well. Gavin Raider, what's your most anticipated subsidy supply drop figure? The one you've wanted, you've most wanted, or most wanted us dweebs to get in hand. Also, any word on Meat Ambassador? So Meat Ambassador is, uh, the mechanical is done, the sort of, the uh, you know, Pantone callouts and the precise drawing that the factory uses to make a quotation. They understand my needs for the unique speckled plastic, and they are attempting to source that now. So, Meat Ambassador and also Last Stand Desert Rat, I would say, is also at this stage as well. I've submitted mechanicals to the factory. Now we see one. Can they track down the exact plastic I need, and is it going to be satisfactory? If they can't do that, I have a real question of whether to, pr to proceed with Meat Ambassador or not. I would actually like to hear from you guys. If I can't do the speckled plastic in red and sort of white and black uh, for Meat Ambassador, is it still worth doing in a sort of blood red base color? Is that too boring? You let me know. That may influence my decision. Uh, so the, yeah, the next step is they're going to tell me the price and if I can make the price work on that and on Last Stand Desert Rat, then I'll pull the trigger and both those figures will be here and they'll be for you, uh, sometime this year. I would say out of what sort of figures I, I want the most, I think Meat Ambassador is actually right up there. And... It's probably because it's an entirely new figure. I haven't experienced a finished Hackerman figure. So I think that um, I'm super excited to see how that turns out. And, oh, I actually have a minor Hackerman update. Some uh, photos of the gypsum sample, which is what sort of gets melted down to create the steel tool. Um, 
Somebody remind me, I'll post those photos on the Patreon. It's interesting to see the different steps in, in the lifespan of this figure. Snake Pike says, will there be blank red Hypernite Material Boy? Any plans for more trench coats? Maybe a black and purple one. So, as I've stated before, the material, we do have material styles of Hypernite. I'm going to experiment with a new project called Hyper, uh, sorry, Material Plus. So that's going to mean a Material Boy plus something else, an accessory, a painted head. This allows us to introduce new characters and move the story along rather than just having these empty sort of um, material styles, which are great for customizers, but don't ultimately let us tell anything new story-wise. Um, they're not going to be dramatically more expensive than regular material boys, probably a buck or two more, depending on what the inclusion item is. But I'm excited about that, and we should be announcing our first one very soon, likely during our live stream on January 27th. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, regarding trench coats, um, I don't have any on order currently. I will... I, I With trench coats, I'm sort of wrestling with... Do I try to do a new style of trench coat, or do I just keep ordering the same one? And I don't have an answer for that, and I keep sort of vacillating. The The other problem with clothing items are, I kind of lose money on every sale. They, they have a very low margin, they're very expensive to order, and there is a very uh, low perceived value from customers, so you can only charge at most $10 for, for a clothing item. So... And also, historically, they don't move very well. I had our sort of cowls and our trench coats in stock for a very long time. Not that that's bad. It's good to have them for people that want them. But it's one of our slower sellers. The margin is pretty terrible. And it's also expensive to develop patterns for clothing items. So I, I'm going to answer this a little more in depth later on because I know there's another question about cloth goods. But... Um, no immediate plans for trench coats, but see the other question further down. More questions from Snake Pike. Uh, Lore-wise, are Cerulean and Noir Hyper related? So in the Hyper Zine, which has gone out to patrons, uh, it sort of tells a little bit of story behind some of the Hyper Knight styles. Um, Cerulean is more or less the leader of the Hyper Knights that break off and defect to our Earth. They are sort of fed up of living under the Trilobites' rule, and they defect and they want to sort of become naturalized Earthlings of this dimension. They, they no longer crave war, even though they're programmed for that. It's, it's an interesting sort of philosophical issue you can think about. Um, but Noir is more or less a generic name for uh, the standard troopers. So, Cerulean rules is the sort of commander of the Noir forces. The Noirs are more or less um, just foot soldiers, and uh, that's sort of their relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And uh, next question here, when Capsule 2 is released, will original capsules still be in circulation? Yes. Um, there are new styles of original capsules as well as capsules version 2 coming out. I love the capsules. 
Um, there are very interesting things going on with capsules in 2020. There are a lot of significant lore implications for capsules. So it's full speed ahead. I know I only have a few fans that collect every single capsule, but when I see those displays of these capsules, it makes my heart sing because it's something I've wanted to make for a very long time. Will there be any material hobs, maybe in small supply? Will there be any more one-off hobs like the buoy hobs? Um, nope, I think hob is come and gone. I don't see a future for hob. I did offer that sort of final version of Hob on Subcity Supply Drop, and he got historically low pre-orders. I think only three or four people voted with their money to bring Hob back. So, future is not looking bright for our Hob boy, and I actually don't have any left. I don't have any material styles, and I don't have any painted styles of Hob. There might be an odd one or two floating around the workshop, but not enough that there will be a sort of update or sale for him. Final question from Snake Pike: Will there be more material chicans in primary colors like the green chicane? Are the UV figures going to make a comeback? So material chicane, for that, uh, you're going to have to keep an eye on the creator, Robert Rack. Um, he will be your source for the answer to that question. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, regarding UV collection, yes, UV will be back in the spring or summer. Um, I will re-release it when we get into that sort of sub-city type of mood. So, uh, look forward to that in, you know, the next couple seasons. Danny Williford, will we see more heads or awesome helmets? Uh, yes. Safe bet in 2020, there are going to be more heads, there are going to be more helmets, more characters, and more personality to uh, not only give us new characters, but to also spice up older figures you may have in your collection. Charlie Ren Pope, what is Exom Knight's favorite kind of pizza? So, Exom Knight is a hyper knight. And as previously discussed, hypernites need not food, they need very little oxygen, they need very little sleep. They are sort of superhuman in their basic bodily requirements. Um, so if they do eat, I imagine their taste buds are not even that sophisticated. There's really no purpose of it. They can kind of get everything they need just from soaking in a saline tank for um, a little while. But if they did eat, I... Uh, I know that he would probably pick Hawaiian pizza with prosciutto, not with ham. Brian Rios, anything you could tell us about Toy Pizza Con 2020? Um, it is our intention to do Toy Pizza Con this year. Again, I am targeting the weekend of July 10th. It will either be maybe the 11th, the Saturday, or the 12th, a Sunday. And uh, if I have my way, it will be at the same place, St. Mary's in Cold Spring. I would not yet recommend that you make travel arrangements because until I sort of put the deposit down on the venue and lock down the date, I, I just wouldn't advise it. But uh, I will try to give you guys as much of a head up, heads up as possible. Um, hotels do tend to book up pretty quick around here. 
it's a very popular place to go um, during the summer. Uh, I can say that uh, I just confirmed a guest this morning for the next con that uh, is going to be amazing. Brand new sort of uh, toy maker that did not come out this previous year, but uh, is going to make their debut at Toy Pizza Con this year. And uh, it's something I love very much. So that's exciting. I already have uh, different creators and makers reaching out, uh, asking to be involved. So I think um, I think it's going to be bigger and better. Uh, we're going to try to manage the line a little bit better than we did last year. We were completely overwhelmed with the turnout. We didn't expect that many people. So we'll probably have a more orderly queue system. Uh, I'm going to bring less vintage toys because I, I didn't even get to put out all the stuff I had. And, um, you know, we're just going to try to be thinking and be a lot smarter about it. Um, I do, I will and do recommend bring your own snacks, bring your own water. It does get hot in the venue. It's July. So, um, you know, just keep those things in mind. We will probably have free pizza again, but, um, you know, that's, uh, this is a small, tiny church. This is not like a, you know, it's not a Javits level, uh, sophisticated convention where there's concessions and, you know, ample bathrooms and things like that. It's pretty threadbare. Um, so, you know, you'll want to plan accordingly. Eric Valverde, you seem to know a lot about toys. Are you familiar with this? And can you explain it to me? What the hell? And he's showing a picture of an eBay auction for two Godzilla War Trendmaster Micro Battle play sets. These are sort of like Polly Pockets. And it's currently, it has 42 bids, and it's got over $1,500. Um, so I, I can't speak specifically about uh, that item, but I have noticed Trendmaster's product is going for more and more money lately. If you look at the action figure line they did for Voltron, that's been through the roof lately. Um, Trendmasters were sort of a value-based toy company. They were trying to put out older IP uh, in the action figure aisle for, uh, you know, a buck or two less than it would cost for a McFarlane figure or, you know, a Hasbro figure or things like that. Um, they made a lot of goofy toys. They made a lot of cool toys. Um, not always the most articulated figures, but a lot of things that I picked up and really loved, they had... You know, they were very enmeshed in the sort of KB Toys and Toy Works discount toy chain uh, scheme, which is, you know, all the prices are already knocked down when new product uh, shows up. They were really trying, you know, they're pushing that value angle. Um, being, a, you know, a poorer kid, I definitely gravitated towards a lot of their stuff because you could get a ton of it for pretty cheap. I remember I had some of the Battlestar Galactica figures. Um, I had some of the Voltron figures and, uh, generally, you know, for five or six bucks, you were getting a ton of accessories and, you know, the, the figures themselves didn't always add up, but there could be some great accessories that you use for other stuff. Um, I have noticed that, uh, because their stuff didn't seem to be at mass market at like the targets and... The Walmarts of the day, they were really relegated to kind of the mall and the discount chains, that it is a little harder to come across in some respects. Um, and it doesn't surprise me, there, there seems to be a whole uptick 
with mid to late 90s toys on eBay and in the secondary market value. And I think that's just part of the generational change up. There's more people remembering stuff they had and they're kind of going back and trying to buy it. Now, for me, it's, you know, things like G.I. Joe and Star Wars rising up. But for somebody who's maybe 10 years younger than me, they may start thinking about these things and have the ability to buy them back. And that could kind of move the whole market up. Uh, I do also believe that there was a lot of Trendmaster stuff that was international. Um, like War Planets is a good example. There's an entire action figure line of War Planets that was a spinoff. I think there was a CGI cartoon that was on television in Europe. And that's stuff that we never got over here. I I've acquired some of the figures from, uh, you know, eBay Germany or France. And they're kind of cool. But stuff that we never saw over here. So I, I would venture to guess it's probably, uh, you know, along those lines um, without having too much of an intrinsic knowledge of that particular uh, toy line. Red Menace asks, maybe this is too soon to reveal, but I was wondering, is Grasshopper one of Saima's Bugmen, or is this character unrelated to that? Um, boy, uh, I don't want to reveal right now. And part of that is I am sort of still writing and telling the story of Cyber Mama. Uh, Grasshopper is specifically an old hero that I drew and created when I was a kid. You could call it the sort of prototype of what the Knights of the Slice would end up looking like if you go back and look at the old art. Um, so I would say right now it's kind of a malleable thing and look for that story to be cemented a little further down the line. Matthew Ian. I'm also interested in the possible release of more soft goods. I missed out on tunics, trench coat, dusters, etc. Um, I'm very interested in more cloth. Cloth goods are, like I said, there are limitations to doing them, and there are things that sort of work as a negative to rolling those out. There are new cloth items that will debut this year, um, and I'm, you know, I'm generally interested in, in doing more of these where it makes sense. So. Uh, keep an eye out. I think within the next couple months, you'll see uh, some of the new items, which are exciting. Uh, did I ever do a podcast on Micronauts or Micromen, and would this be a topic worth devoting a podcast to? Um, God, I can't remember if in the early days we did a sort of Micronauts-specific or Micromen-specific podcast. I know they come up all the time. Um, it is absolutely worthy of doing a podcast about, but... I'm not an expert of Microman at all, and it is a daunting subject. There are there are people who are profound experts of them. I have just only sort of bought what I like and, and not ventured out much further than that. So um, I may not be the right person to do it, but uh, Microman will be brought up quite a bit in the future, I'm sure. What was my reaction to seeing Keeg sell out during pre-order? Um... I was ecstatic. I was very happy with the reception to her. Um, also, the material styles really did gangbusters for us. Um, I know there were people who wanted her to release the singles, which I eventually did, but that initial four-pack did really, really well. Way better than I thought it would, and uh, is hugely helpful. Bundles are crucial to the business. You know, as I've said many times, this is a cash business. I pay up front for every item that's in the store. And in many cases, I'm paying six months to a year before I can sell the goods. So I'm always sort of working in the red. 
and bundles allow me in a single transaction to earn back that money that's been invested into the product at a much quicker rate than a single figure. So I know bundles are not for everybody. I know the price point can be a little high, but the few dedicated first adapters that buy bundles make this whole project work. It is They are the sort of lubricant that helps all the rest of the uh, rollouts work. So hugely, hugely important if you are in a position to buy bundles and buy all in and buy, you know, these bigger ticket items, because that gives me more cash to buy new product and invest in new tools in a quicker pace. Do I have a PlayStation VR? And if so, what do I think of the current generation of VR games? Uh, I don't have PlayStation VR, but when I was working with Frederator, they had a really high tech um, setup. They had a rig from Valve, and this they had enough space to dedicate to it. They had the sort of sensors in place, and man, what an experience it was. It was close to a religious experience, putting that headset on and, and playing these games. Uh, particular, the I, I don't know what it's called, but there was a sort of undersea simulator where you could walk around on the ocean floor and see shipwrecks and turtles and things like that. Um, even in the imperfect technology, you know, the state it's in today, your brain totally melts into it. It is unable to tell that it's a simulation in a lot of respects. And we are just in the infancy of this technology and, and the graphics being seamless and things like that. So uh, it's exciting. It's exciting technology. I, I The feeling, the tickle you get in your brain when you get into one of these high-tech rigs really feels like the future. And uh, I don't, I have a sort of, a, you know, souped up PC for the purpose of VR. I was going to take the leap and get into it a few years ago, and I never pulled the trigger on it. Part of the reason is the technology keeps improving and becoming cheaper and cheaper for the sort of headsets and gloves and toggles and things like that. So I've held off on jumping in, uh, but it is something I would like to get to in the near future, but probably when I actually have the time to enjoy it, which is not right now. Justin Doek asks, how many subscribers are there for Action Freedom Month 2020? What are the comparisons, differences to the first round? Also, Trilonite, cape over pink strap or pink strap over cape? Boy, that last one is a, that's the eternal question, right? I think I go cape over strap, but that's just me. Your mileage may vary. Regarding Action Figure of the Month 2020, uh, you know, specific numbers I kind of purposefully don't share. I don't share what my quantities are for production. And I don't share the specific customer amounts. It's just, I don't know, it's the way I do things. It's proprietary. Um, so I will say that our enrollment numbers were slightly less than 2019. Uh, what we saw was a drop off in one month people from 2019. There was a ton of one month people. And those were just casual fans. These were largely people that did not buy any other Night of the Slice figures in 2019. They just wanted to support the campaign and get one little thing, and they signed up for it. And there was never any business beyond that. There was never any purchases. 
So those are just completely pedestrian casual people. Uh, they did not transfer over to 2020, and that's not really that surprising. Uh, what we did see for 2020 was a lot of people who missed 2019 signed up, and they signed up in a big way for the 2020 campaign. So quantity-wise, I would say we were probably about 10% under the total number of enrollees as we were for 2019. By the way, that's actually a good thing because that means there's 10% less packages I have to order, 10% less orders to stack up at the every month. Um, there is a sort of weird metric where uh, doing a little bit less on the person number is kind of helpful because uh, that frees up a little bit of cash and a little bit of sort of logistic heavy lifting that has to be done. So uh, total number amount slightly down, dollar amount almost exactly the same, and I would argue that we actually earned more money because we weren't paying Kickstarter and backer kit fees. Uh, those came out to about four to five thousand dollars. That. I paid both those services, um, and four to five thousand dollars is a small steel tool for a new figure or an accessory pack. So we actually were able to capture and maintain and, and hold for ourselves a much higher net profit off of the system. So what what is the sort of total sum of all that? I guess I would say we did about the same amount of business in 2019. As we did in 2020. Uh, I would say anecdotally there have been way more people reaching out in 2020 asking to sign up past the dates of enrollment than there were the previous year. Uh, almost I mean a significant amount more. I would say 75% more new inquiries about signing up for Action Figure of the Month 2020 post the date. What does that mean? I mean I think you could venture to guess that that means more people would likely enroll in 2021 if the service is continued in that year. I think you could also say that that might affect the secondary market for 2020's um, Action Figure of the Month months that sort of get resold and possibly the second chance sales. You know, at the end of the day, these are all guesses. You really don't know. It all kind of works itself out with... You know, you're you're kind of powerless to control these things. Um, regarding 2021, I often think if it's necessary or not. I wonder if Patreon could sort of take the place of doing an action figure of the month club. And this is all completely unthought out, spurious sort of ideas that have just flashed in my head in a while. Um, the downside to Action Figure of the Month is that uh, it is a lot of work. It takes about two weeks solid for prep and for fulfillment and everything else. Uh, but the upside is there's a, there's a big chunk of money that I receive once a year that allows me to plot out the entire upcoming 12 to 18 months and uh, it really secures our future in a lot of respects. So I'm always sort of thinking about these things. I'm always thinking about the feasibility of them. It is a profitable venture. It is a very profitable venture. Uh, and I do think it actually brings more people to us 
every single month when there's something to share and people are posting their unboxing photos and things like that. Um, but you know, I always got to weigh these things. Oh, are we sort of big enough where without soliciting ahead of time, I can just say, Hey, here's January's mystery item. Everyone who wants one, go get it while supplies last. Um, or do people just like to pre-buy this and know that it's set and they're once a month going to have a nice little surprise? I don't know. You know, it's all part of, uh, the thought experiment. But if you guys have strong feelings, if you want to see Action Figure of the Month continue in 2021, if you're loving 2020 so far, you know, let me know. I'm interested in your input. So that wraps up our Q&A. I want to thank you guys. Thanks for all the support on the store during the classic sale. Thank you for hanging in there and waiting on Cyber Mama. Shouldn't be too much longer. And the only thing left to say is pizza out.